Coming to you from the KUCI headquarters in sunny Irvine, California. It's the talk show formerly known as Half Past Five with Paxton Wright. Tonight's guest, creator behind the upcoming animated project, Words, 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 it's Issa Rashid. Featuring music from Michael Hurley. Now, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host, Paxton Wright. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Uh, folks, as you gathered from that intro already, this is the talk show formerly known as Half Past Five. We've, we've had, a, we've had a, a wild couple of months on this journey together of uh, what was once a half-hour talk show, and now we're at a full-hour talk show. A lot's changed. A lot's changed. No one predicted it. I certainly didn't. But uh, I think we've all grown a lot, and I think we've all learned a lot about each other. And uh, this journey is just getting started. So buckle up, especially if you're driving. (laughs) You folks, I see you. I see you. Uh, I want to thank Andrew Beard fellow host here at the station, for having me on his program yesterday, which was, uh, and the Oscar goes to, uh, it was, a, it's a, it's a, if you can't gather already, it is a talk show about the, the Golden Globes, ha 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 ha, no, just kidding, it's about the Spike Video Game Awards, I'm kidding again, folks, my guest here, Isa, is loving every second of this. But uh, he can't say anything yet because I'm not done with my intro. Anyhow, the show is about the Oscars. We talked about the Oscars. Some of our favorite winners, some of our least favorite winners. We talked extensively about the 1977 Oscars where an Annie Hall won for Best Picture and Star Wars was also nominated. And we said in hindsight, even though both are great films, which probably deserved Best Picture more, uh, we both kind of leaned towards, even though I very much enjoyed Annie Hall, Andrew not so much, uh, I kind of lean towards Star Wars probably being more culturally significant, and in hindsight, probably being more deserving of the award, but that was not what we're talking about today. If you missed the show, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for you. You know what else I'm sorry for is you, again, if you don't take the wonderful opportunity to email me and let me hear your thoughts, questions, comments, inquiries, insults, advice, etc. And uh, if you want to do that, I'll give you the address right now. Are you ready? Are you folks ready? If you're behind the wheel, keep driving. Do not uh, take out a pen and paper. If you aren't behind the wheel, I would encourage you to take out a pen and paper. You can email me at paxtonwright at kuci.org. That's P-A-X-T-O-N-W-R-I-G-H-T at K-U-C-I dot O-R-G. Now, folks, uh, I also... If, 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 if this mic... If this audio quality doesn't sound exactly like the studio... And in fact, sounds a little echoey. I can explain that. It's because uh, I actually just recorded about f- maybe 30% of this interview, about almost 30 minutes with my guest here today. But the computer went uh, went kaput on us about halfway in, deleted the file, and I had someone else that needed to come in and use the recording studio. So we had to leave, and we are now starting the interview over again from scratch back at my apartment about 20 minutes from campus, 10 minutes really, and we're recording on my Yeti microphone in my bedroom. So it's 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 a, it's a it's a different beast entirely, but we're gonna have a blast either way. I assure you, you needn't fret. It's gonna be great. I want to introduce my guest here. I'm pretty much done rambling now that we're almost four minutes in, uh, and his name is Issa Rashid. He is the creator behind the upcoming, I don't want to say documentary per se, uh, we discussed the, the ins and outs of this on the last film, but an animated project with documentary elements, it's called Words, Words, Words. Isa, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing fantastic, thank you for, so much for having me at the studio. Oh, of course, anytime. Yeah. Uh, I, I, are you enjoying sitting on those this, this carpeted floor here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, we, we like to take care of our guests here. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I I can hook you up with a Lacroix. We got we got we got it all on lock. <laughs> Oof, yeah, yeah. I yeah. 
uh, ooh, I, I, there's too many LaCroix jokes to make right now. This is uh, no so, time to make them. In so little time, yeah. despite having uh, 55 minutes to go on this interview. <laughs> All right, yeah. So let's let's let's, let's rack let's them down. Right <laughs> um, as everyone knows, uh, every good uh, recording studio right. has a DVD copy of Alien Resurrection. Yeah, no, I heard around. I heard uh, Aerosmith wouldn't let their uh, songs be played at stations that didn't have a copy of Alien Res- Resurrection, or it's, didn't offer them Lacroix. It's true. <laughs> it's it's true. Even though I think Lacroix. Uh, only came about in like 2010. Well, they're Aerosmith. Aer- Aerosmith was ahead of the. Did you know Aerosmith never did a live performance <laughs> until 2010? <laughs> until LaCroix was invented? <laughs> this prolific. LaCroix really only came out because. <laughs> they knew. Steven. <laughs> yeah, the, the, well, actually, uh, music venues really wanted to book Aerosmith. <laughs> <laughs> so they all pitched in. <laughs> and made LaCroix. And Steven uh, Tyler is so uh, selfless that he didn't even attach his name or take a cent from the revenue right. of LaCroix. What a good man. Bless you, Steven uh, Tyler. Anyway, we didn't come here to talk about fizzy water. We didn't come here to talk about uh, Aerosmith. We came here to talk for the second time uh-huh. about your film, Words, Words, Words. Right. Because as I said, this is, this the is file is completely <laughs> corrupted. This is, is our second time talking about this. This is about uh, my fourth interview with you. If you count, if you count our now scrapped uh, interview from an hour ago, yeah. yes, this is okay. now our fourth interview. All right. Um, for our legs touched, and, uh-huh. and you didn't want to acknowledge it. I saw, I saw, yeah. you, I saw your face acknowledge it, but you didn't yeah. want to say it on the air. Uh-huh. Embrace it, Isa. Right. Um, anyhow, uh, we had that tender moment. Uh-huh. Uh, Yes, this is technically our fourth interview now. Right. You were there for my first one, uh-huh. which was my 15-minute uh, demo, right. which will never see the light of day because it Thank was terrible. God. Yeah. Um, but it was my demo that I needed to basically audition for this show. And Issa, we talked about nothing language. of substance. Did we talk we about language? We talked about every time I've been on your show, I go on a little language rant. And none of and none sh- of my interviews have ever made it. <laughs> the show never surfaces. This is these are the divine powers uh, sending us a message. Anyhow, Isa. Yeah. So that was the demo. Yeah. Then you did a second interview, which uh-huh. was going to be for my second official show, right. second official episode uh-huh. after uh, uh, the lovely Anthony Calmetta and Richard uh-huh. Dulay. Yeah. Shout out Anthony and Richard. Uh, we're on my first episode. You were going right. to be my second guest. Yeah. Uh, and yep. I I botched it. I'll I'll, I'll uh, fess to that. Well, I botched it, Issa. We, it was a mess of an interview, and it wasn't your fault. I went on a language rant in that as well. But I asked you to. Okay. And then I and then I <laughs> and now you've asked me onto your show again to talk about language. The int- oh boy. And now that was the yeah. this is the the specific intent is language yeah. and a few other surprises along the way. And a few other folks. yeah. Was, if that look if that ten on ten Lacroix uh-huh. riff yeah didn't get your goad, this is this is sure to do it. Right now, Isa. Yeah. Isa, 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 Isa. If yeah. I if, if I can get uh if I can get candid with you for a minute. Right. I'd like to ask you a serious question. Uh-huh. What is your thoughts on the uh, escalating conflict and crisis in Iran? Okay, Kidding. Well, that is not oh, we don't have okay. to, we don't have to discuss. We, we can go there later. No, my we serious, shouldn't. I don't think this should be the platform I, that's solved. I I don't see what could be possibly wrong with that. We're sitting okay. at a desk with a a Boba Fett mug uh-huh. and a flask on it. Yeah, it seems like the most well, professional setting for this kind of discussion. It is a throwback to like your original rename for this show, which is "White Guy Solves the Middle East." <laughs> Uh, I'm glad you. I'm very glad you didn't go with that one. I know it was it was tempting. Um, uh-huh. I thought of just shortening it to White Savior. Yeah, but also CNN already trademarked that, so you can't. Oh, that's not, bang bang zam okay. zam zoom. That didn't mean anything. Bing. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. All right, oh. Isa. Isa. Yeah. Isa, I want to get serious. Yeah. Words, no. words, words. Words, words. Tell words. me about the film. It's well, pretty unconventional. It is. I um. So I'm an English major, among other things. And I, the reason I'm an English major is because it's quite an interesting moment right now for, for uh, our relationship with words and language and communication. Um, just within English academia, people tend to read works that, within their context, our relationship with the language in which they were made is different from our current context. 
so like it's really weird now in 2019 being able to like text and 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 snap people and like living in a in a hyper uh visual society and in a in a society where we have instant communication and that communication can come in many many forms to like read the divine comedy or read uh homer's odyssey or, or or just the there's just a formal element to uh language in one way but then there's a or a written language in one way but then there's also a, a, like a hyper casual context of that as well in the other way so i just I, I i find that very fascinating and i find sort of english academia currently very fascinating uh with, given the internet and and how english has changed due to it and so i i just i've been interviewing people and i'm interviewing more people later and i can't say who is going to be within the film because I'm still like, there's some interviews I've done that just might not be within it. And then there's some people that are, I, I might not have the opportunity to interview them, but I just, I, I talk with people about language and then it's an, I, I, and then animated it. <laughs> that see, that's now that's the, uh, the interesting, uh, uh-huh. a twist yeah. to this, to this film. I also want to say real quick when yeah. we, uh, Previously, when we got uh-huh. to this point, we went on a long tangent about uh-huh. one uh, a goofy riff about one uh, one uh, Robert Durst. Right? No, um, our good friend and patron Bobby uh, Durst, <laughs> the friend friend of the show, Robert, yeah. friend of the show, <laughs> Bobberson Durst. Yeah, uh, uh, quality guy. Yeah, I haven't seen him lately. I wonder how on earth. Yeah, he's well, been up to. He, he. Yeah, I. I. I we'll I'm sure to, he's not in trouble. He's listening. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll contact him later. See, what, see what fan. see what Robert's up to. Listen, Bobby. Anytime you want to be on the show, just hit hit Paxton up. Uh, and you, as a listener, can hit Paxton up <laughs> at paxtonwright at kuci dot org. You see, you nailed it. Uh-huh. Uh But no, that, that, I. I, I was gonna go out of my way to not do the Robert Durst bit again. Okay. We we did it again. Uh-huh. Issa. Yeah. Now the 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 quirk to this film. It. Yeah. Is that it is animated. Right. Interestingly enough, it's not because you are interviewing real people uh-huh. and filming these interviews. Yeah. You're taking a sort of aha's take on me approach <laughs> to this animation style. Right. That's the formal. That's yeah, the, that's the <laughs> formal terminology. No. Um. So I I had to rotoscope. Just because it's real stuff, industry you know? lingo. Folks. Yeah, which is you you kind of go over existing footage with with uh, but animate it well, using the existing footage as like a guideline to your animation, and um, so I've decided to uh, um, to animate in a way that every frame is I'm I'm doing frame by frame and I'm starting from scratch with every frame. Um, so do you just hate having fun? Yeah. 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 No, I hate fun. I hate uh, free time. Yeah. I hate uh, feeling happy. <laughs> I just, I there's so much. Well, it that... sounds like you found the perfect medicine. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, it's so much work. I've done like a minute in like hour days, really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, oh. in the grand scheme of things, I mean. It... Even even though this does sound like an incredibly right. masochistic and uh, miserable undertaking, uh-huh. the for you personally, right. uh, it does sound like you have a pretty clear and interesting intention right. uh, for why you're doing this. That yes. should pay off if you want to get. Yeah. That. So yeah, there's I the I think the biggest thing that even inspired the work in the first place, besides the sort of changing nature of language, was the design philosophy behind it because. Um, like having a visual uh, style that uh, that parallels the the thoughts and uh, discussions uh, that are in the film is just such a fascinating concept to sort of communicate the two. And um, within uh, within sort of like English academia and, and literature academia, there's like a post-constructionist way of looking at things where you see language and written communication as inherently flawed and you see uh you just have this like original thought and then you try to communicate it into words and in that process there's a dissonance between your original uh, experience and your original thought and your original uh, emotions and then the words you've you've uh, translated it to there's something's lost in that in that 
process. And then once again, those words have to be picked up and interpreted by a person. And then there's a three-step thing where there's massive and violent dissonance in, in each of those steps. What you originally felt, what the words are, and what the person felt that read the words are completely different. And so, given that, I just wanted to make an animation style that was, like, inherently flawed and sort of uh, janky, but within the... Within the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. within the uh, the process of the animation moving, you just get a vague sense of shape and form, and you don't really see the flaws, which is kind of how uh, language works. Like, we're not communicating the things we want to communicate, but we're still communicating. Right. Yeah. It still translates, ultimately. Yeah. And, and in a sense, so, yeah, so, I mean, as we were saying, as an example, it's, it's like the, uh, a hot take on me video. It's like, a, it's like a scanner darkly, uh, which features, you know, if you haven't seen it, it's Richard Linklater film. It's all rotoscoped animation with America's boyfriend, Keanu Reeves. Yeah. And, uh, and America's uh, boyfriend, Alex Jones. Exactly. Yeah. yeah it's a, it's a, a, a polyamorous thruple with yeah. Keanu Reeves and Alex Jones right yeah. now. And that's, that's what, that's what this is all about. You, someone's read my dream diary. <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's animation. I think is it just, it, it feels really interesting because it's just so removed from reality. And then, uh, rotoscoping where you're just trying to go over existing photography is, is a, a really fascinating process. I think I've learned a lot from it overall. And you're doing purely frame by frame. <laughs> purely frame by frame. Uh, how long is the ultimate runtime that you're shooting for with this? I, well, I just, it's taking so long. So I want, like, I intend for this seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got two frames for you. <laughs> if you look back and forth, it'll seem like it's moving. We were going for a Scorsese length <laughs> epic. We've cut yeah. it down to for sale baby shoes never worn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I you know what? I'm not going to say how long it is cuz I think I just might release a, a shortened thing, but I might not. It's, it's regardless so, it's an ambitious I undertaking. I thought it it might take a year to animate fully. Right. Even so, I mean, you've got plenty of other projects that you've worked right. on in the past, and I, I assume we can see more from you in the future. Right. Uh, that's one thing that I want to talk about your your relationship with language, too, okay. a bit. Um, because as I've known you for nearly a year now, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and I've been a better man ever since. Oh, yeah, nice. I, I, I grow more and more every day. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, if my girlfriend uh, okay. is listening to me, he, he means nothing to me. Don't worry. Okay. Wink, wink. Okay. Um, but <laughs> but uh, uh, your your relationship to language, as long as I've known you, has always been a very affectionate and curious one. Uh-huh. Um, I, I know you've uh, done a lot of work uh, performing Shakespeare in mm-hmm. the past. Uh, you're, you uh, you're big into writing. Uh-huh. Where where does that come from and on top of that what are your thoughts on how language has evolved in the present day in that a lot of people tend to have zero stock in in the youths of today with the texts and the uh, ims and the uh, vms and the voice um but uh okay i don't know where that went yeah i don't know where that went it's fine yeah um but uh, uh, people tend to not have a lot of stock in that uh-huh. and think that, you know, uh, young people have become uh, deluded, uh-huh. dissociated yeah. through their well, screen, screen interaction. Yeah. I'm not saying I agree with that. Uh-huh. I don't really, but I want to know your yeah, thoughts well, on that. Yeah, well, phone bad, book good. I just <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we're here tonight. Perhaps. Right, yeah. No, it's... Uh, I the My sort of interest with language comes uh, from a few things. One of them is a terrifying anxiety that everything's changed and we can never go back and, and the world's ruined and, and everything's Are you horrid. suggesting that there's things wrong with the world right now, Lisa? <laughs> no, it's fine. It's yeah. chill. Uh, no, but uh, it, it well, just, I think people like our age within their 20s have seen like a massive shift in every facet of life. Like from when we were kids and tech was like, eh, 
to now. Yeah. Huge shift. Yeah. Like, oh my god. Um, and so... I remember when people still said the World Wide Web. Yeah. <laughs> Wacky. My, my dad still calls TV shows television serials. Whoa. Yeah. That's cool. I might have to co-op that. I, <laughs> Unironically. No, that's great. Uh, he, well, anyway, um, it's like I, I, I think there's just been like massive shifts in every single facet of life. And it's like it's changing things that were, have been like a base for, for just how we function in the world. Um, I used to work in an elementary school and like my students uh, who were children had grown up when they were born smartphones were a thing and now like they, it, it's to a point where they called they called regular phones dumb phones and then smartphones were phones <laughs> <laughs> I like that uh, just well like it, it's like they exist in a world that's a lot more visual than the the world we lived in which itself was a lot more visual than the world like our parents lived in you're saying as opposed to auditory well as opposed to like written or or like visual media and auditory media like the the types of ways we communicate things are changing and our core ability to communicate is changing and has changed and and our relationship to language essentially has changed quite a bit and like it's not bad I don't know if it's good, but it's just interesting, I think. Yeah. And so, like, it's really interesting when, like, I can, like, s- send a meme to, like, my best friend or something. That's pretty chill. I could have written a letter, but I didn't. I sent someone <laughs> a meme. And, like, that's, that's like, a different thing. And it's taking up a space of of what we would fill, like, language with. Um but it's just, I, I think given like a context of living in like a post-internet world where everything's changed, how do you read Hamlet? How do you read the Iliad? How do you read... And, and by the way, saying the things I've already said, those are like within the canon of literature, but they're all like written by white guys. And post-internet, that's not necessarily the same thing. We're, we're hearing voices and communicating with people that maybe have been left out of the the canon of literature. Right. And so, like, how we read things has changed, and how we interact with written language has changed. How we interact with language and, in extension, each other has changed. And I, I just... I don't have anything to add to it. I can't... But I just... It's interesting to, to, to listen to people talk about words. Right. And, and why do you think that... Because I can speak for myself... Uh-huh. Um, I took a linguistics class when I was in community college. Right. I saw the value of it. Uh-huh. Uh, I was personally bored by the subject. <laughs> I'm not saying that, that the uh-huh. subject inherently in itself is yeah. boring. I'm saying I won't obviously mention the professor's name. Again, community college, not right. even here at UCI. But uh, I think they could have done a better job uh-huh. at um, communicating a subject that's all about communication. Right. And, and trying to inspire and... Uh, uh, create a vested interest in their students. Uh-huh. Um, so I think I was a little bit uh, deprived mm-hmm. of that, I suppose. So why do you think it's important that... Because, again, still, just, just now, uh-huh. having right. having moved on from that, uh-huh. I still don't really have much of a vested interest right. in linguistics. Yeah. Um, why do you think it is uh, important that this subject, or at least in- interesting enough, that uh-huh. this subject uh, receive more exposure? Okay. So, I guess, well, one, my film isn't important at all. <laughs> I, should, I, should, I should throw that out. But, two... <laughs> Issa, everything you do um, is important. Aww. This this program uh-huh. is so important. The show right now. Okay. This is... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we do have Bobby Durst listening. That's so. true, Bobby. I guess, yeah. But, um, I, I, um, I just think... I think we're living in like a, a tipping point, like a really important moment, and we have been living in a tipping point. Like things like Netflix and DoorDash and stuff. When that comes out, you're like, ah, oh, that's neat. But like your your baseline relationship to core things like language and communication and and how we interact with one another is different. It's just different. So 
I don't necessarily think we, we should preserve the old ways of communication and stuff, but we should try to look at what contact the uh, contexts we're looking at, like Dante's Inferno, or we're looking at like great expectations. It just, this is a, this is a really important moment in history and it's really boring, but it's, 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 the world won't be the same after like everyone on earth has moved on to the next generation. Do you suppose that, and I know we've already kind of discussed this, that like, obviously change can be, uh, change can be, uh, an initially troubling thing. Uh-huh. Um, do you suppose there is a possible evolution of language that could be destructive? Like, I, for instance, I, the one that comes to mind for me, mm-hmm. and it's like done as a joke, but also kind of like deep in my core, kind of mm-hmm. like gives me the willies, uh-huh. is that you ever see that old Simpsons where it's the itchy and scratchy episode that's set in like a dystopian future where it's all a bunch of scratchy is like the last scratchy and it's like a society of itchies uh-huh. Uh-huh. um that all communicate with like wavelengths from their brain mm-hmm. and like that's that's their entire uh form of language huh. is just shooting like brain waves right. at each other yeah and like relying entirely on like emotional telepathy uh-huh. and of course this is a a cartoon within a cartoon from the 90s <laughs> yeah like this is uh-huh. it's but do you think there is a way that language could advance and not for the better okay uh well we live in a society good night folks (laughs) (laughs) Um, no uh i it's i don't know i like who knows (laughs) yeah i'm pretty optimistic about things i there are really interesting um sort of um evolutions of language that are are genuinely quite uh, just that, like there was, there's this idea of a global language or a universal language that's existed for so long. People from like the ancients have been talking about, like, what if we all just spoke the one thing? And there's been a, a lot of essays and works written about like what would be the benefits or detriments of a global language, and that's English. Like we've yeah, worked, we're pretty much yeah nearly there yeah yeah because of uh, America and and also the UK's like imperialism and and global output of culture and media and and uh, the financial systems which support America and the UK the most, or I guess Canada also, but right. uh, like. It's just, like, English has become a global language, and there's fantastic work uh, that's been written about it. Salman Rushdie wrote a a really fantastic essay about uh, uh, how people of different ethnicities having a global language that's shared has allowed for, like, people to move past prejudices within India and stuff. It's genuinely really fascinating, and it's really a, a product of the shifting nature of language and communication. And... We're, like that happens on a smaller scale too within within like English speaking countries. Our relationship to English has changed. Like we're not speaking as formally as our parents would, given most situations. But that's also like intimate. Like there's, I don't think there's any such thing as things being worse. I think there is. Well, yeah. uh, in this context. Well, sure. yeah, I mean, imperialism is pretty bad. I yeah, guess. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, but things truly got worse before they got better, yeah, I suppose. Well, in, in that and context, not everything got better. Yeah, but, but, yeah. Yeah. but like, I, I think the, the, the way in which like communication trends have changed, I don't think we're losing it. We're, we're losing something. I don't think we're... Uh, like, just change means loss, but I, I, I don't think that's necessarily, like, a giant burden that we have to carry because we're, like, slipping emojis into our conversations or something. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, it does it does kind of... One thing that I've also been kind of curious about, and I know I'm, I'm not... This is not some grand original thought. This mm-hmm. is something that a lot of think pieces have been uh, penned about before, but is this idea of... Uh, uh, communication through memes uh-huh. and how humor and how humor has really evolved or devolved depending on who you <laughs> asked uh, who you asked uh, based on this culture uh-huh. and I, I mean like the idea that like you can garner a hearty chuckle out of me mm-hmm. if you send me the right picture of 
uh, Marge Simpson in between keyframes, looking blurry and like long for some reason. It's hilarious, uh-huh. and it it it, it evoke it can evoke some sort of emotion or right. thought, uh-huh. and it's. On the surface, How? it's complete nonsense. Yeah, well, the thing is, why do you think it's nonsense? You're feeling something. Why Why not just feel it? But the interesting thing is, like, especially using that meme as an example, uh, you, like, writing that down, very difficult. I One, the Marge Simpson keyframe is quite difficult to describe written down. Right. But then... I don't even know if listeners understand what <laughs> the, the heck I'm talking about yeah. right now. So. But, like, Marge Simpson in between, like, stances... That, like, in-between animation frame. Right. Yeah. But then, like, talking about why you reacted to it the same way. Because it's visual, there's there's immediate distance between, like, language. Like, written language. Right. And and living in a society in which uh, so much of our media is so much, so much more digital. Or, uh, I'm sorry, uh, so much more visual. It, 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 it puts written language at a different context i mean like an instagram post and and a and a and a tweet i guess aren't quite the same thing and like reading them within the same context is quite difficult but then that at a larger context is is it's it's just strange everything's strange everything's horrid <laughs> i i book, have... book good phone bad uh, <laughs> and uh, that's that's really what it's all about yeah today, folks um I'm sure there are there's at least probably a few listeners who are in concurrence with that bit, and that's okay. Maybe maybe book truly good and phone truly bad. Who right. who knows? We we've grown up with these things. Uh-huh. They're again, I, of course, we still technically knew a world without smartphones, right. but we didn't know it very well. Yeah, but like, we did see that gradual transition, and I think yes, the fact that we're still like weirdly transitioning to somewhere. It's kind of terrifying in a in a really exciting way, you know. Like, think about how different life is now compared to two thousand eight. Vastly so. <laughs> what? Well, I mean, what, what was what could have gone terribly wrong in two thousand eight? I thought everyone. Oh, right. <laughs> ever... But like, pre even pre like just just I mean our our relationship to things like Netflix wasn't like really strongly a thing. DoorDash wasn't like a uber definitely not like just things were different and then like social media was just different everything was different right and now it's it's changed and i it's things are just continuing to change right and i mean that's and and ultimately like yeah you sometimes sometimes i want to take a Mm -hmm. a, i romanticize a a, a luddite approach to things Uh of of, no i just want to get into my my Keebler elf house in right. the trees yeah. and and turn off all my tech uh-huh. and live with a, a stray dog and, and just be one with nature. Uh-huh. But then I go like, well, that sounds really hard. Well, I like it's, DoorDash. You yeah. know? It, it's... Well, but it's interesting because that is also a trend that's come in response to, to an increasingly digital society where um, there's a new fondness for like the I don't know acoustic off way. the grid living. No, well, I mean, what's the opposite of digital? What was it? Oh, uh, uh, analog. Analog, yeah, analog. Right. There's like an increased resurgence in like vinyl and cassette tapes and like shooting on film for like videos and right. photography and stuff. And that's really extended to like. It's weird. That's extended to language as well, where, like, analog language, where there's a sense of formality and stuff, is, like, there's, there's works that are kind of nostalgic for the way people used to talk. Right. Well, it makes me think of, like, uh, uh, you familiar with the comedian um, Paul F. Tompkins. Where, are you, do you know him? I, he sounds familiar. He's a stand-up. Um, he used to be on, like, Mr. Show with uh-huh. Bob Odenkirk and David Cross. He did a lot of stuff, but... His part of his shtick is that he speaks, he 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 delivers stand up with a contemporary uh, on contemporary issues with a contemporary uh, uh, psychology, mm-hmm. but does it sort of through a like roaring twenties voice almost. Okay. No, he speaks like he's out of like a, a Fitzgerald book. <laughs> okay. It's and and kind of dresses like it too. Uh-huh. It's like it's so he's like he's approaching the modern day with our modern youthful perspective uh-huh. 
but doing it in the voice of, like, your granddad when he was young, uh-huh. basically. Yeah. And so, it's interesting, because they even see, like, yeah, even in literal verbal communication, as you say, that's that's an example yeah. of of, uh, of a retro analog uh-huh. uh, form of, commu- of verbal communication. It's yeah. interesting. Yeah, uh, I see that a lot in stand-up, actually. Like, the, the there's an increased sense of formality, I think, yeah. that was... Like, I don't know, John Mulaney, I think, also has a similar vibe. Another, another yeah. example, yeah. Like, yeah. he's like, like, he's a 1950s carnival barker. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Your good friend, John Mulaney. Our yeah. friend of the show, John yeah. Mulaney, yeah. I'd say. You know, Robert yeah. Durst, John Mulaney. Uh, yeah. Who are, who met them, met each other through the show. Exactly, They're good yeah. friends, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, man, there's a, yeah, I'm surprised they haven't called in once yeah. since the show started. Right. They send me emails all the time. Oh, yeah. They always to, I gotta get them on the show. Yeah. I'm sure they do it. Together, both of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Their personalities are Bobby they, and John. They what just, we call them. They just <laughs> mesh. Uh, uh, now, Issa, I do want to talk about uh, your history with drawing and animation. Hmm. We've talked a lot about linguistics right. and language and what yeah. have you. Super sexy linguistics. Super sexy linguistics. Yeah. That's a, that. I think we have a better title for your film. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but, Great. But, yeah. But uh, yeah. So uh, is this going to be your first sort of larger scale animated project of yours? Oh, or yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> terrifying. It's yeah, everything's terrifying. But I'm, I'm. It's animation so fascinating because it's it's this type of filmmaking that you really control every aspect of the like mise en scène of it. Mm-hmm. Not to not to throw out film jargon, but you you control literally did you, everything. Did you the take film. film and media classes at UCI? <laughs> That's crazy, dude. Oof. <laughs> but uh, it's it's so just what you choose to have in the film and what you choose not to, and and how you light things and how like. You, you illustrate things is completely in your hands and people do fascinating things in animation that I think like there's not many other mediums you can communicate those things right I'm actually really interested in, in when I finish my film to throw it out into the public domain because the reason I really got into animation like within my 20s was because of a film called Sita Sings the Blues which was made by Nina Holly, and it was like the first like real adult animation I saw, which wasn't adult as in like vulgar humor, but like dealt with interesting themes. Right, which just animated. It was about um, the Ramina. Um, so moving on from that, because <laughs> we both know what the Ramina. Of course, is. yeah, of course. No, that that, that confused look I gave you uh, yeah. was was yeah putting myself in the in the perspective of a. Uh caricature of myself i don't yeah, know what i'm talking uh, about the so it, the reminders uh sort of a, a foundational um poem from epic poem from uh prehistoric india or um like way back bc's uh written by Vlikmi, i think is how you say his name it's about rama who is an avatar for uh, one of the important hindu gods i i can't remember which one and his wife sita uh who is also an avatar for one of the important hindu gods i can't remember which one and she gets kidnapped and rama has to save her and that's like it's a really old poem it's it's beautiful and it's it's really nice um but nina polly actually she animated it and she made it a musical with the a jukebox musical with the 19 like 30s recordings of Annette Hanshaw. Annette Hanshaw, yeah. yeah. And um, she also spliced in autobiographical animation. And it's a really interesting experience. And it's really lovely. And it's just this amazing piece of art. And it really made me connect with uh, animation. And made me connect with, like, South Asian culture in a way that I just hadn't previously. Like, in in a really... it, It was just really fascinating. And it's completely within the public domain she she's like a, is a strong advocate for um copyright law reform mm-hmm. because just copyrights were supposed to just cover like a person's life and then it was like okay then as soon as a creator dies plus a few years to get their family to but now copyrights are like commodities that exist for a really long time and can essentially be immortal and that's due to lobbying from um 
from a lot of companies, but chief among them is the Walt Disney Corporation that didn't want Mickey Mouse to be public domain. I did not know this. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So if if it weren't for that lobbying, not only would Mickey Mouse be public domain, but the characters like Superman and stuff would be public domain. Well, now, what's it, I, I'm curious as to why, just because this is all very much news to me, uh-huh. um, why you are anti or why you're so pro things being uh-huh. in the public like creative well, I, creative properties being in the public domain uh, see the sings the blues is a fantastic example of of works of culture being part like they, they they're owned by a, a culture they're not they're not supposed to be owned by a company so using the romina to explore things like gender dynamics and to explore the the concepts of relationships it's really amazing and it's a it's the way narratives have always been until like relatively recently since like the 50s and 60s copyright was pretty lax throughout and now disney owns everything (laughs) since when yeah (laughs) um but it's there's a lot of other creators that um are kind of very pro uh, copyright law reform uh including a uci alumnus i was just reading about who wrote Bat Boy the Musical. Have you seen that? that I, I've never seen it, but I'm familiar. It was written by a UCI, a UCI Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. I was so excited when I found that. Anyway. Fascinating. Right. Yeah, is, uh, copy, moving on. Okay. <laughs> moving on. Uh, just like culture and, uh, and the way we tell stories and stuff has been a thing that's usually been open. Like things like Sherlock Holmes and things. Can, or, and, and Robin Hood and, and, and King Arthur can, can just sort of be communicated to whoever from whoever. But things like Spider-Man and Superman and stuff just never will. So that's just quite heartbreaking. And they're, like, they are owned by the culture, I think, it, to a certain degree. And I, I think, I, I don't want to abolish copyright law, but I, I, I do really agree with Nina Pauly, who's very problematic, I should say. I don't agree with most of her, her opinions, but I do agree with her stance on copyright law. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I Again, since this is all something I'm sort of hearing for the uh-huh. first time, I can't really take a strong stance on that one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I understand wanting to hold on to your intellectual property, though. Yeah. Not even simply for just for profit. Right. But for not well, wanting others to profit off of your idea, I can understand that. The copyright law originally worked was it, it would be like within a lifetime. So that was unfortunate. But then it would be an entire creator's lifetime. And then plus a few years to just in case. Right. Even, in case they come back from the dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but now it's just kind of quite ridiculous. And like you have... Uh, companies re-releasing um, films or remaking films for the sole purpose of retaining the copyrights. Like Snow White, uh, the film, there's there's like design elements that are copyrighted within that film. And Disney, if they keep re-releasing it, which they have a few times, yeah. they retain the copyright. Um, so that's unfortunate. Yeah, well that's why, um, I mean, off, off the subject of animation for a second, I know that's why... Uh, the legendarily terrible and mostly hidden outside of bootlegs uh, Fantastic Four movie from the 90s. Oh, Do you know about that? Yeah. That Fantastic Four movie that most people have never seen. Yeah. Uh, that was different though because that wasn't for the that wasn't to prevent it from entering the public domain. That was to prevent it from entering I think someone else's. I think Sony was going to buy it or Fox oh, okay, was yeah. going to buy it. Uh-huh. Um, and it, it was a German I think it was a German production company <laughs> somehow owned the rights to the fantastic yeah. four uh as far as film production right. and the they would they would lose the copyright unless they had unless they made some movie yeah. for profit unless uh-huh. they actually released a film so on like a micro budget uh-huh. they made a slapdash uh-huh. hasty fantastic four yeah. movie in like Three days with a budget right. of like a, a, an expired Quiznos coupon and yeah. a tin can. Yeah, both of the dollars they spent on that film really show... They paid off, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that, that was how they managed to hold on to the copyright for another few years before it was eventually snagged up. And the Fantastic Four franchise went on to do much yeah. better, oh, bigger yeah. things. I l- yeah, the most recent one, love it. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's off the point of animation. Uh-huh. You have uh, your your interest in art and animation uh-huh. makes sense given right. your uh, yeah. background yeah. and your uh, uh-huh. uh, a history of 
artists, at least in uh-huh. your immediate family, as far as yeah. Like. So my mom's entire family actually, there's a lot of artists, but she's uh, she's professionally an artist as, as well. Um, and she was when I was a kid, she was quite brutally honest with my uh, my quality of of art, which is you know which is really constructive and helpful for for a little young creator. And she was very nice about it. So, uh, but just it is quite funny that she would she would call me out on on like general things I this could improve. Hand tracing turkeys <laughs> is swill. Yeah, throw this in she the trash. She would burn it, and she would put up my brother's hand turkeys <laughs> on the fridge. Uh, uh, no, but she. So one one huge criticism she had of my drawing was I didn't have a definite sense of line. I'd, I'd really poor line work, which if you're not familiar with art terminology, that's the lines. Oh, yeah. okay. So when you're drawing, you're drawing lines, and then then you do other stuff. But I, when I'm drawing a line, I usually can't draw them really well, so I keep drawing them, like, a lot. Like, I do the same, va- like, the same shape I'm going for a lot of times, but I mess up each time. As do I, yeah. Yeah, so you have, like, some lines that are st- too close, some that are wonky. But then, like, all of them are together. Right. And so you get this vague sense of what I'm going for. Right. There's vague implication of form. That's been why I've been trying to teach myself to draw digitally more lately, yeah. too. Is because my line work on pencil... I can't help it. Every mm. single person's limb has like little hairs and twigs and things running off of them. Right. Whereas in whereas now I found that if I draw something on paper first and I have those twigginess and things, uh-huh. but I can still you know communicate a clear shape through right. it. I can then trace over that digitally. Yeah. And actually That's... get that clear uh-huh. line work. Yeah. Um, by by tracing over it in Photoshop or Illustrator or what have you. Yeah. Um, That's yeah. So my uh, my. Uh, animated film, words, 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 in a, a lot of ways, is kind of or sexy linguistics. What we're gonna uh, call yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sexy linguistics. The movie, uh, <laughs> the secret of the ooze. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Judgment Day. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, my my film really kind of is kind of based off that criticism because <laughs> um, each um, each frame. I've done the line work from scratch again, and I've noticeably done it differently. So there's no definite sense of line in the forms uh, in in, um, in my film, but there's the implication of them because you have so many lines in so many different frames and 24 frames per second. You're just seeing the thing, right? But like, if you try to focus on each any any part of what you're looking at, the the it's it's inherently flawed, and I think that's kind of how language and communication works, and so I just kind of approached that film with that aesthetic and design principle first. I have to say, now that we're talking about this for so long, it's really just now dawning on me the uh-huh. beautiful irony of the fact that your film is all about flawed communication. Yeah. And that this is now the fourth time we've tried to interview oh, yeah. because of flaws in our communication. Oh, yeah. Uh, but we're making it work. Uh-huh. And as of right now, I feel fairly confident okay. in this piece of work we put together. That okay didn't sound as confident from you. Oh, Asa. okay, yeah. Asa. Yeah. 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 Let's do this. All right. All right, Bucko. Oh, Bucko. All right. Happy jorts season, everyone. Stay out of the heat. <laughs> uh. If you're not wearing jorts... Turn off the station now. <laughs> if you're not wearing jorts, open that car door. <laughs> no, please don't. Wait, wait, I, we still love you if you don't wear jorts. Well, maybe We're wearing does. jorts in the station, but... <laughs> Everyone in the station is wearing jorts right now. Yeah. I'm looking out the window. And we can't say that, though. We've already confessed that we're uh, not recording this in the station. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they really believed that... We were looking out in the window, and people were wearing jorts. We're wearing jorts, obviously. Well, of course we're wearing jorts. Yeah. It's but anyways, season. happy happy jorts season, everyone. Uh, happy jorts season. Uh, stay out of that heat. Stay out of that heat. Happy 4th of July next oh, week. Oh, yeah. That's coming up. Yeah. Uh, speaking of... of got time to dust off those patriotic jorts I have. <laughs> those red, white, and blue jorts. I got a star on each pant pocket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's Ooh. the look I'm all about. Uh, actually, did I tell you that I've, uh, I've started implementing, it's around here, so it's there, there on my bed. My friend, uh, introduced me to the wonder of wearing a, uh, red, white, and blue sweatband, uh, oh. on my forehead. Okay. Sh- uh, shockingly, it's a look I, I pull off okay. surprisingly huh. well. I've, I've, I've made, I've implemented it into my wardrobe, I think, yeah. very effectively. Mm-hmm. 
got That's that good. Richard Simmons look going yeah. a few times a week. Uh-huh. Uh, oh. And I'm proud of it. Yeah. I'm proud of it. Uh-huh. No, I'm it, proud of you. Thank, well, thanks, buddy. Yeah. Uh, this interview's been interesting. Yeah. Um, this is now... Te- technically, this is, yes, our fourth time trying uh-huh. to do this. Yeah. I think second time's the charm. Okay. I think we... That's one take I, one can have on that. I think we I think we lost some things from our first interview that were... Yeah. Called, but I think we gained a lot, too. Yeah. I think this was a little I more focused. It wasn't about where we ended up. It was about the journey and the friends we made along the way. Exactly. Yeah. A few enemies, too. But, oh, uh, mostly that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, to quote, to quote the recently inducted on Twitter... Orenthal James Simpson, friend of the show, Orenthal James Simpson. I got a little getting even to do. Bobby Durst, Johnny Mulaney, and oh, Oe, Oe, Joey, Jamie, That's what we call him. Yep, that's what everybody calls oh, him. Friends of the show, each uh, and every single one of them. John Mulaney, I've got some suspicion about, but I, I've never heard a, I've never heard a single bad thing about Robert Durst or OJ. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> this is weird, man. This is. This is we a weird really, bit. Yeah, but we could have just said those words and and ran, but we we, yeah. we really. I want to make clear, folks. We're fully aware of the atrocities committed by Robert Durst and OJ Simpson and, we and don't John have, Mulaney. <laughs> and John Mulaney, and we don't advocate for them. Yeah. We don't advocate for them one bit. They're not friends of the show. They are yeah. not welcome on the show. <laughs> Especially John Mulaney. <laughs> John, if you're listening and to this... And we know you are. Yeah. <laughs> if you're you know this, what you did. Oh, uh, boy. I wish for the worst things that can happen to a person to happen to you. I... That's a bridge too far, man. He seems like a nice guy. This is... I know we're, we're oh. joshing... <laughs> Allegedly, <laughs> folks, that's gonna do it for this very surreal second episode of the talk show, formerly known as Half Past Five. Check out words, words, words. Check if out, it ever comes out, it will come out next year, maybe. Isa, don't say that. I'm gonna try to present it at UCI, just given the the. Kind words from faculty members and stuff. At that there's that fest they've been talking about? Well, no, I, I just mean general, like, if I could have a screening, that'd just be chill. Just get an old CRT and wheel it out in yeah. the Aldridge Park. Oh, that's a lot better. Do you know... Put a VHS tape in I, there. I was going to get one of those projectors they had in, like, 2003 and do it frame by frame, but real quick. You know, like, the, you mean, like, the, the Mad Men, like... <laughs> Like slideshow no, projectors? I meant the projectors when like teachers would have in classrooms. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, where you put the picture on yeah. yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. That's uh, a great idea. But that's better. Yours was good. Ah, so I'm gonna go for that now. Debatable. Yeah. We'll see. Anyway, words, words, words. It's coming soon. It's coming <laughs> is it? coming in a couple days. <laughs> Alright. Uh uh Isa. If people want updates on words, 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 or anything else that you're doing, is there anywhere they can follow you? I, yeah, I, I have an Instagram. Let's hear about that Instagram. What's your handle? Uh, it's hashtag Isa, but just spell out. It's all spelled out. You use words for it. It's H-A-S-H-T-A-G-E-S-S-A. Oh, you sly devil, you. Spelling out the hashtag. Oof. You're, you're, you're full of tricks. You're full um, of surprises. Yep. You're a wily one. Yeah. Uh... Anyway, yes, hashtag Isa, at hashtag Isa is where you can follow him. The film is words, words, words. Isa, this interview was a mess, but I kind of loved every second of it. I did as well. All right, thanks so much for listening, folks. Have a good one.